All right, take your Bibles and open to John chapter 8, and we'll be there in just a few minutes. A very familiar passage, I would trust, for most of us around here. And uh, today is the 4th of July. Uh, it is a holiday we celebrate on the day. It is the day that the uh, Declaration of Independence was uh, issued uh, and uh declared these United States as a free and independent country 243 years ago today. And uh, just before the service, uh, was able to get just a little bit of the president's speech. It's going on right now, just ending. And, and uh, I will tell you this, I heard enough of it that uh, I'm going to look around and see if somebody's got it on tape or something. I'm sure it'll be posted somewhere. And uh, uh, yet, while he is planning a salute to America, using members of the U.S. military, showing off their equipment, Air Force flyovers, and, uh, and other military planes, we, we live in a world where people can only complain. And I don't know about you, but it upsets me just a little bit. And uh, if you would listen to them, uh, how many of you have heard of the new... Uh, level of uh, intellectual obtuseness by our uh, Queen's representative, uh, Miss Cortez, uh, uh, talking about making the um, people at the detention centers drink out of toilets. Everybody's heard that, I am sure. And uh, uh, somewhere they had a picture how many of you saw the picture of, of the actual unit there? It is an all-in-one unit. There's a sink with potable water on top. Uh, this is standard fare, I am told, in our detention centers in the United States uh, to keep prisoners from harming themselves, flooding their cells, doing all kinds of meanness. The sink is built into the top. The toilet is in the bottom. And so someone who does not speak English would see the toilet and say, they're making me drink out of a toilet. And we would hope better things of a representative of Congress than to not understand the English language. And I hope you understand uh, that just infuriates me, that kind of foolishness. And by the way, people are in detention cells for a reason. Uh, it is usually breaking the laws of this country. And so we want to understand something. It, it would seem, if we would listen to the uh, Ocasio-Cortezes and the Date yourself a little bit, the Ted Kennedys and uh, John Kerry's and all of those people of America, that America ha is a terrorist country, that the United States military has been used to enslave people. And uh, just thinking of it, that might be untrue. That, that there might be some truth to that statement. Uh, if you're talking about giving freedom back to the jihadists who are in prison in Guantanamo Bay, uh, we have enslaved them. Uh, if you want to talk about the black-shirted fascistes of Mussolini's Italy, 
the skull and crossbones of the SS. Yes, we put people like that in jail. We take away their freedom because their sole purpose for existence is depriving other people of life, liberty, and to have the, uh, uh, a society in which freedom can be given. We believe that people that choose tyranny and oppression should be deprived of their weapons and their ability to enslave others. Do you realize that every time America has lost in a world conflict, so has the world at large? If General MacArthur and American forces had been allowed to prosecute the war correctly and had finished that war in victory, there would not be the tens of millions of people that have starved to death since 1953 in uh, northern uh, North Korea. Uh, there would not be a communist regime who is trying to th- threaten the United States by firing nuclear missiles at us. How many of you have heard about the killing fields in Cambodia? That is a testimony to the labor of John Kerry, who once ran for the presidency of the United States. It was his efforts as being part of the anti-war movement that empowered those that would murder hundreds of thousands of their own country people as soon as the United States pulled out of Vietnam. I will tell you today, and this is my opinion, you don't have to agree with it, but I believe the blood of all of those people lies at the feet of American citizens who have hated this country. They are the ones that led to our defeat. And when America has lost, so has the world. America has won. I was, uh, we were, the February meeting of the Global Independent Baptist Fellowship was in National City. Many of you remember Brother O'Barrow uh, when he was here and preached our missions conference several years ago. That was uh, his church and one of the preachers in uh, got up in the service and, and began preaching. And before he got very far, he said, before I start my sermon, he said, I want to thank America for setting us free. Man, I'll tell you what, I still get choked up thinking about that. You see, it's not freedom that those who hate America choose. It is freedom those who hate America despise. It is the freedom to choose life rather than death. We're talking about abortion. Hitler and his concentration camps, in his death camps are responsible for six million Jews and hundreds of thousands of other peoples all over Europe during World War II. 
the American Holocaust, and we're not talking about other countries, we're talking just about America, is now, is now past 60 million souls. Stop and think about that. More than, I believe that is more than have died in all wars combined, major global conflicts the United States have been involved in in all of, his, of, all of our history. They hate the freedom to worship a holy God. And by that we mean, uh, I love those songs that my wife has written, God is still holy. God has not changed. Something you and I need to remember, something that we, we need to trumpet and, and, and not apologize for, is to understand that true Bible Christianity that does not compromise with the world is becoming more and more rare. Because it would seem that the world is holding sway. But I I want you to understand something. God has not changed, neither should we. And isn't it interesting that even as I was writing out the notes for tonight's sermon... I'm just sitting there talking about all these things that America has done and these good things. And then you have to say, yet yeah, you just have to apologize. America's not perfect. It's just it's something we're conditioned to do. And, and I thought about that as I saw the words just automatically coming out. Yeah, America's not perfect. Uh, 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 America, and I, America is not God's kingdom on earth. Americans are not God's chosen people. But could I ask you to just think about this? Most of the problems that we face in our society today are caused by the exact same people that hate God and the freedoms that this country has always enjoyed. They're the people causing the problems. We, we have a mayor who will not enforce federal drug laws in New York City. We have a mayor who refuses to enforce. And, and a governor who stands directly opposed to the laws of the United States of America and flaunted. You know what? You get discouraged. We live in a city where right is called wrong and wrong is called right, where truth is trodden in the streets, as we might say, and shame and debauchery and the most vile behavior is held up and said, this is the greatest that man can achieve. That's the world we live in. And we have to understand what the Bible says. You see... If our freedom came from Albany and from the mayor's mansion, even from Washington, D.C., we would be in really deep trouble. But that's not where freedom comes from, my friend. 
Let's start in John chapter 8 and verse 30, and let's just read through here. We've been through this text before, but I hope and pray it will be an encouragement to you. Verse 30, Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hold on... Oops, I'm in chapter 7, forgive me. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews, capital J-E-W-S, this is talking about the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders uh, of the day. Uh, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be of Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. And if the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Jesus then goes on to tell them of their sin and the bondage that they were in, that they didn't even understand or comprehend. The Pharisees, as a group, had only one thought in mind at this time, and that was the death of Jesus Christ. Uh, The scribes and the lawyers hated Jesus, the priest. Uh, There there was no, no concern, there was no thought that Jesus could rightfully be their Messiah. They had already chosen, actually, long before he was born in Bethlehem's manger, some of them, that they would hold to their traditions and their thoughts rather than God's on any day. And so here tells us a little bit about freedom, something that we need to understand. Freedom is a process. What's the first thing someone says to I have my rights. Uh, well, wait a minute. You do have some rights as an American citizen. And we're glad for those in the rule of law. But there are many countries in the world where there are no rights. And there are no freedoms. The Jewish people, as these words were spoken by Jesus, were under the domination of Rome. Uh, In my office there hangs a picture How many of you have ever been to the circus? How many of you know where that word comes from? It's a Roman invention. The stadium, most most people have ever seen a picture of Rome or have ever been there, you see the Colosseum. Uh, The Colosseum was to the circus Maximus what... uh, Oh, what is that little tennis stadium there, Arthur Ashe Stadium or something like that, is to City Field. Uh, it's a little tiny stadium. City Field is huge. 
The circus, they said, in Rome could hold 600,000 spectators. You see, the Colosseum, that was basically where the rich people went, and that was special entertainment. But all of the regular stuff, the gladiators and, and, and that, that was in the circus. In fact, as soon as Constantine became emperor, his mother came to him and demanded the entire destruction of the circus because that was where they killed the Christians. Now, Christians weren't dying in John chapter 8 because the church wasn't empowered to Acts chapter 2. And it was on through the book of Acts, pretty way, a pretty good way through the book of Acts before Rome even recognized the Christians as a separate sect. But it didn't take them long uh, until they were killing the Christians. And here's what Jesus said. He said, to those that believed on him, you have to start somewhere. You don't come to the Bible trying to figure out whether Jesus is God or whether God is God, or whether the Bible is God, you come to the Bible believing that Jesus is God. Otherwise, this book is meaningless to you. It has no impact on your life. And there were some of those scribes and Pharisees. Many of them would be good friends with the people who actually were responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus as we get down through the book of John here. But here's what Jesus said. Once you believed on him, he said, if ye continue in my word. See, if we were to go out on the street today and we were to just pick ten random people, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Now, being that we are in Astoria, we'd probably run into two or three who would say, You hate monger, you. Of course I don't believe. Religion is the problem. I mean, there'd be a few of those. But for the most part, I would say an overwhelming majority would agree that Jesus is the Son of God. But that's not what Jesus said. He said to those that believed on him, if ye continue in my word. How many of you have ever doubted your salvation? Raise your hands. It's okay. Put them up. Let people see. They're not the only ones that have ever doubted their salvation. Most Christians, most people who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ have had a time in their life, and and just to simplify the issue, there are usually two causative agents. The first being the Holy Spirit of God is convicting you of your need of salvation and trying to help you understand that you're not saved. You you have deceived yourself, or thinking, or or allowed someone else or something else to deceive you. I remember years ago we had a young lady visit to church. 
And she says, oh, I know I'm saved. I went forward in a church and they prayed for me and they told me I'm saved. Now, how many of you would like to get to heaven based on that? promise you it won't work. It's got to be personal between you and God. The other reason is we've allowed sin or we've broken that fellowship that God wants us to experience and we don't feel saved or we don't feel worthy of God's salvation. Let, let me tell you, that happens as we try to serve the Lord. Jesus is telling these people that believed on Him, you've got to continue in my word. But that's not all. What is it then? He said, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Uh, And what Jesus is simply saying here is, if you're doing my word and not hearing it only, James, amen? If, If you are obeying the things, Jesus said, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say. He said, if you continue in my word... Then are ye my disciples indeed. If you're living the things that are in the Bible, that's, that is the definition of a disciple. You follow in the discipline. But that's not where it ends. He says, if ye continue in my word, so you have to believe on the Lord Jesus, you have to continue in his word, that makes you a disciple And then, in verse 32, it says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Ye shall know the truth. I remember years ago, we had someone attending our church and found out that they were going to the Catholic Church to get Mass before they came to the Baptist Church because they liked the preaching and the, and the sermon and the service here, but they just weren't quite sure as to whether they really could have salvation without the Catholic Church, and so they weren't going to give up. They were going to kind of hold on to both. Well, that doesn't work out very well. And eventually you must make a choice. You see, it is the truth that sets you free. How many people thought it was over 900? Jim Jones of Guyana Tragedy was the man who would tell them how to get to heaven. It was a very costly decision. They had to surrender their property and their wealth and anything that they had to the organization. They had to move to Guyana and they lived there. And and when the government agents came to rescue some of those people, they all committed suicide. And the ones that didn't want to were either shot or forced to drink the Kool-Aid and commit suicide anyway. Does that sound like freedom to you? Uh, That's not the kind of freedom Jesus is talking about here. Jesus says the truth shall make you free. 
I mean, what must it be to wake up in a world where man is destroying the entire world and it may already be too late. In just a few years, climate change is going to kick in and drown New York City. I mean, how would you like waking up every morning thinking about that? Every car that drives by, that's more greenhouse gases to destroy the world. I mean, I think you need to pass out the Prozac or uh, uh, whatever other high-powered psychiatric drugs we could get a hold of to calm those people down. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. The people would want to... I, I live in a world that's perfectly safe from greenhouse gases. Not going anywhere. We already had the flood. That was Noah's flood. It's not coming again. So don't worry. I got God's Word on it. Amen? Yeah, it's going to heat up. I mean, the Bible does talk about global warming on proportions that have never been heard of. It says even the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat. But if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you know where you're going to be? You're going to be with the Lord in the new Jerusalem where the streets are made out of gold and the gates are made out of pearl and there's no night there as the sun never sets because the sun is the living Son of God. That's not a very bad ending now, is it? You see... Here's what they said. Their answer to Jesus was, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. Now, wait a minute. How, how do you get this ignorant? What about the book of Exodus? 400 years the children of Israel were slaves in the land of Egypt. They wandered in the wilderness and all through the book of Judges, another period of nearly 400 years, they were in uh, subjection and privation and starvation. For, and then they would get a judge and things would brighten up for 40 years, 80 years, and then it would go down the tubes again, back and forth. And they finally got some kings and 70 years in Babylon in slavery. And then the armies of Rome came in and dominated them after all of the atrocities of Antiochus Epiphanes. And the Roman legionaries were marching up and down the street while they talked and they said, we've never been in bondage to any man. Uh, Why don't you go tell Pontius Pilate that and see what he thinks of it? Uh, Jesus told us what happened. There were several Galileans whose blood... Pilate mingled with their sacrifices. Uh, Pilate was not afraid to put down anything or anybody that stood against his rule. But Jesus talked about a far greater taskmaster than any known by man, done by man. And he says in verse 34, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Now, 
we read that word there, committeth, and of course that's got the T-H on it. That's uh, uh, roughly the modern equivalent of the I-N-G, uh, the, the uh, continual present tense. And the idea is if you're living in sin, you're a servant to sin. Do I need to spend a lot of time explaining this? How many of you know someone that's a servant to a little pla- uh, little package they keep in their pocket or their purse? And they just have to reach in and grab one of those things and light it up and smoke it? One of the reasons my father died when he was 48 years old. One of his older brothers taught him how to smoke when he was 12. And he was three packs a day until... He was 33 years old, and the doctor told him, you touch one more cigarette, and you're a dead man. He had two little boys and one on the way, and he quit. But he still died a very young man. But he was a slave to that habit. And, and how many different habits can we talk about? There's as many as there are human beings to invent them and be subjugated by them. Amen? Oh, me, that is just simply where it is. Jesus has come to set us free from the slavery of sin. You know what everybody's first answer is? But nobody's perfect. Okay. Uh, get out your Captain Obvious hat and put it on tight. Uh, as one person said, you have a point there, but if you wear your hat nice and close, maybe nobody will see it. Amen? Uh, the truth of the matter is here, as we look at this, sin knows no, knows no friends and gives no mercy. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what, my friends? death. Jesus came to set us free from sin. And that's what the next verse is telling us here. It says, And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. Guess what? You're going to have to battle with sin as long as you're in this life. I wish I could tell you, uh, the uh, Brother Clayton called today, just see how things are going. And we talked a little bit. And, and somehow the, uh, the old holiness movement from the 40s or 50s came up into our conversation. And uh, I will tell you, those people were, wow, just utterly careful. If you walked into one of their churches, I've got a wedding ring on, a gold ring. They'd say, you've got to take that off. Uh, if you weren't wearing the right clothes, they would say, listen, there's some clothes on the rack here. If you want to attend our church, change your clothes before you come in the auditorium. We won't let you desecrate the auditorium. I'm glad to say we have no dress code here. But here's what we would like you to do. Dress in a way that honors the God we worship. Is that, is that too much? 
That, that's what we should do. If the best you have is your toes sticking out of your tennis shoes and, and, and a shirt with a hole in it, you don't let that stop you from being in church. But if you have better and you wear less, what are, what are we telling God? This is one of the ways we honor Him. God has set us free from sin. Here's what Paul said. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, if those were the words of the Apostle Paul, could we not echo that sentiment in our own hearts? And understand that none of us is righteous before a holy God. But Jesus came. And he will set us free from sin. The servant doesn't abide forever, but Jesus does. Amen? And it says, If the Son therefore shall set you free, ye shall be free indeed. This is where freedom actually comes from. I am set free from my sin by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's why it is finished. It's on the board up there. Uh, we want you to know and understand that. But here's what Jesus said about your life. Matthew 16:25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. You know, there, there's just so much application here. If you've ever had the chance to visit Ellis Island and the Immigration Museum there, uh, I, I would challenge you, read the testimonies, read the stories of people who immigrated from other countries and came here. That song, America the Beautiful, uh, Andrew purposely didn't sing the last verse because it talks about alabaster cities gleam undimmed by human tears. Uh, that's not America. But, but I do want to tell you this. To a 17-year-old boy that didn't speak a word of English, lived in a cave, was only allowed to eat a meal with meat in it once a year. This was awful close to heaven in his mind. That was my grandfather. The year was 1905. We didn't find out all those other details until just a few years ago when my aunt went back uh, almost 70 years old to visit family in Italy. And they say, oh, you don't know your story, do you? And they, they told her the story. It was, it was no wonder why they wanted to leave Italy and come here. You read those stories of people who, who saw the Statue of Liberty coming up on the horizon as that ship sailed in having been seasick and down in the hull of the ship for weeks on end sometimes. Hey, I'll tell you what. They thought this was heaven. I'm glad to tell you today this ain't heaven. Amen? Not even close. But I do want you to understand something. Freedom is a process. It's not a right. Freedom is something you have to understand what freedom is. It's not freedom to do what you want. 
It's freedom to live life in a way that prospers a free society. Because if you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you'll lose your life, I'll tell you what my grandfather did. He said, I'm an American now. I only speak English. And uh, I am sure that it was heavily accented in Italian. But he didn't teach any of his children to speak the language. He said, you're Americans now. He said, we're not back there anymore. Oh, that we could have a little more of that attitude today. Lose your life. My, my grandfather lived the American dream. Bought a house, bought a farm, raised a family during the Depression. And he bought the farm before the Depression, but 1911, it's an amazing, amazing story. And it's not unique in any way. But when we get the freedom that Jesus gives us, He frees us from sin. He frees us from our life and our determination and our living for... If we'll just give up our life to serve Christ. And by the way, we live in a wicked world where most people do not appreciate Christ. Well, here's the answer, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil... With good? If you're going to take full advantage of the freedom that Jesus has given to us, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You see, you can try to fight those that hate the Bible on their ground using their rules, you're going to lose every time. Scope's monkey trial was a debacle for the cause of truth. That was the trial that brought evolution into the public schools. Roe versus Wade was a debacle for those that were on the side of life. Um, but how about... Fighting the world on God's ground using God's rules. I want to challenge you. That's why it's so important to keep the world and its influence outside those doors, not inside. If we're going to fight the world on God's ground and God's rules... And here's the illustration, and we're done. Here, what I'm talking about tonight is the difference between King Saul and David, both of which had a contest with Goliath. How many of you remember what King Saul did? Forty days. They got up, got ready for the battle. Goliath gets up, issues his challenge. Everybody puts their tail between their legs and walks home. David heard the challenge. 
And on the day that he heard it, Goliath first suffered from severe headache, and then it didn't hurt anymore because it wasn't attached anymore. Amen? Uh, The enemy was defeated. Saul got nothing done in 40 days. And I want to challenge you, this church that accepts the world into itself, the only thing that it has done is made itself unsuitable to serve and worship God. And they've enslaved themselves. When the world takes another step down, well, they have to take it with them. When we serve God in freedom and truth, we answer only to the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you must, as old Joshua told Israel, choose ye this day whom ye will serve. And you, you can serve the world if you want. Or you can serve Jesus Christ. You can fight the world the world's way, but you're going to lose. If you want to fight the world God's way, you take care of what's going on in your own heart first. And then you'll have leverage to reach out and grab a hold of somebody and bring them along with you. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the freedom that comes. We thank you that it is a process, that it is something that we must strive for. We must continue in your word. We must be disciples indeed. Then we can know the truth and we can be free indeed. Lord, we ask that we would live in this freedom, in this terrible age and Uh, terrible times in which we live, that we would keep our eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And Lord, we would not be tempted to try to fight the world on the world's terms. Lord, we would meet the world head on in the power and the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask that you would encourage us, Lord, that you'd bless the food and the fellowship to follow. In your name we pray. And before we finish that prayer...